This is Dan Starkey here. I and my clone batch will be listening to the Power of Three podcast. tells you you're listening to the Power of Three podcast, a podcast where three middle-aged Doctor Who fans get together to discuss things of interest to we as the Who crowd, for want of a term. I very nearly said that dreadful word that isn't a word, that's W-H-O-V-I-A-N, which isn't a word. <sighs> oh, we hear shocks, we hear gasps. Who are these gaps coming from? From the, the person who I was chatting to first. Introduce yourself, please, to the listeners. Uh, I'm Stephen Day. I was doing the gasping. Lifelong fan of Doctor Who in all of its different forms. And today, I'm rooting for the Rutans. <gasps> and who's this other person with us as well? Sorry, I was being called on my phone there. And I'm uh, John Bolan. Uh, I was not gasping. I was just in admiration of how beautifully that introduction flowed from your tongue, Kenny. It was spot on. Great stuff. I think it was on the spot more than spot on, but there we go. And yes, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Kenny Smith. I'm your podcast person sitting comfortably as my daughter Katie sticks her head round the door to see what on earth is going on. And she's gone again. And she's back again. And she's waving. No, she's doesn't matter. We can't see you in the podcast. Away you go. (laughs) So yes, we're back with episode 105, and we're going to be talking, as Stevie alluded to, the Sontarans. Gents, what was the first Sontaran story you remember? Because my first story that Sontarans were in that I remember was the invasion of time. Although I don't actually remember the Sontarans in it, I just remember the closing moments of episode six with the Doctor getting canine mark two. John, what's the first one you recall? Well, I, I shudder to reveal that I was there at the very start. Um, I, I remember watching the episode one reveal of the Time Warrior on our brand new colour television that we had just got. Uh, so yeah, that was that was very um, firmly planted in my memory, and um, the very first story that I saw in in color in real time. And uh, I remember being absolutely terrified um, when mm. the helmet came off, and it was revealed that Lynx's head was exactly the same shape as the as the helmet. So yeah, beat that, okay. Stevie. If you can, if I can, I I don't think I can. I I was late to the party, so my first memory is Field Marshal Steyer in the Sontaran experiment. That's the first time that I yeah that yeah Kenny's holding up his his hands in a really good impression, and but I think it was the Time Warrior, the first book I read, so I kind of knew what Sontarans were, but for some reason I didn't see any correlation when I watched that, and then I was surprised when I eventually saw. The time warrior. Yeah, and what a great story it is. I mean, it's 
Preston I saw the Time Warrior would have been on um, probably its VHS release with that bizarre sort of hybrid cover where it's partly painted, partly photographic and yeah, it's just such a great story. It's got everything you'd want and Robert Holmes just such a master of creating monsters and given the fact we've got a monster with an identity to it. It's not just your box standard shouty type alien or yes we'd seen some subtlety in some creatures before the likes of Slar and the Ice Lords but mm -hmm. I think Lynx or Commander Jingle Lynx to give him his proper name if you want to go by the novelization. I think mm -hmm. he absolutely sets the, the tone for the way that monsters would be developed over mm -hmm. the coming years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was certainly, you know, the visual realization of the of the Centaurans was just really well done from from the from the very start. That it kind of passes the what you would call the the Pertwee uh, criterion of the of the eyes and mouth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that gives you something to 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 react to and to act against. And the very fact that that Link spent so much of his time doing that quite disturbing tongue thing <laughs> exactly as you're yeah. doing that, Kenny. That, that actually started then because i wondered about that because the one thing i get from them is is a wee bit of horror you know unusually uh -huh. for doctor who you know that they, they had their the, the monsters and the, the bulbous things and things going splat but these were actually quite horrific to look at and quite disturbing with that tongue in the eyes and everything yeah. else i think maybe there was something you know that although we've become very fixated on the description of them as as being potato-like. I think there was maybe something in the original uh, script that referred to them as being toad-like, and so therefore maybe that's where the kind of the tongue, the tongue thing comes from. But yeah, it's it's a bit like yeah, it's quite it's quite unsettling. It's like um, Cher uh, gone horribly wrong, as far as that's concerned. The whole look of them is incredible. I think it was. Um... James Atchison who came up with the design. I could be wrong, but off the top of my head, it might have been James Atchison. And mm. and with uh, John Freelander doing the face mask. And it's mm -hmm. just such a great design. It's mm -hmm. the fact that it's recognisably human, but it's also very distinctive. And then the fact you've got their own spaceship design as well. And it's just sort of, they're very, there's been a lot of, I don't know if the phrase world building was around at the time, but there's definitely a hell of a lot going into there. The fact you've got the probic vent and the rutins and everything like that's thrown in there. And there's a hell of a lot of, you know, sort of alien culture creation in the space of less than 100 minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think not too much explanation. You know, they were at war with these the rutins. You know, this is what happened, this has happened. We didn't have to know everything about it. There was just that little kind of a Sontar Empire built behind them that you just kind of accept it. And I think. The fact that they are a clone race, again, I missed that somewhere along the line, but it does explain why they all look similar. They're a clone race, but they're individuals, which is unusual for monsters. You know, you've got Cybermen who are Cybermen, you know, some of them are the chief ones, some of them aren't Daleks the same, but there's no individuality. There seemed to be, as I watched the stories, a lot of individuality when you have more of them. Yeah, it's like the fact they look the same. That all sounds really silly, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's also scientifically correct too. I mean, uh, twins are, are are technically clones, but they have their own personality. So so that's one of the that's one of the strengths of them. I think the fact that they do have a personality and that very often, apart from their being so warlike and 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 savage in many respects, they're also quite absurd and. That's the other side of, I think, the, the, the Sontarans appeal, that they are 
they're easy to make fun of, and that's one of the things that's what that, that's a good defence mechanism when you're faced with a an oppressive warlike enemy. If you can if you can send them up, you know, no no references to anything that may be going on in the real world outside our conversation at all. But <laughs> absolutely, because yeah. you mentioned there the strength of the Sontarans, and again, that's another thing: the fact they've come from a low gravity world, so they're a lot stronger than the puny humans. Uh -huh which I think is a, another really nice touch. And obviously we get to see a bit more of that in the Sontaran experiment when they're back with Field Major Steyer, which is just such a great name. It does sound like something you get in your eye. Something like, oh, I've got a Steyer in my eye. And <laughs> yes, he looks different and he's obviously got five fingers, but mm -hmm. one, two, three, four, five fingers. Oh, little blur reference there. And no, we're not paying copyright in that. And again, maybe it's a different type of stuff. I always rationed it as being there are different types of Sontarans for different types of missions. That was the way I always regarded it. So he's sort of in the field. So he's sort of like the, the scientific division. So they've got a slightly different look. Whereas Lynx mm. is perhaps more of a an exploratory sort of trooper type of Sontaran. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a really fascinating tale. And you've got the fact that they're there to carry out experiments on the human race to see what they're capable of as they look to on with their invasion rather than just doing launching an all-out full attack sort of know your enemy first mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah. it's an interesting link for um you know to link sarah jane again from the previous adventure you know to to let us the companion know that you know she was thinking she was seeing a ghost and introducing us to mm -hmm. monsters that look alike but are completely different that was that was a clever thing once i realized what was going on <laughs> yeah i mean it, it it's such a it's, you know, there's there's this humour and all of that kind of stuff going on in the in the Time Warrior, but those two episodes of this entire experiment are just so bleak, and the experiments are just so horrible, and, and, and the fact that you've got this, and, and it is that the, you know again I think someone spoke about you know you've got the troll like element of the. Suntarans as well coming out of the rocks and 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 I remember again and I was still I was still a very young child <laughs> that was quite scary as well the fact you know seeing you know knowing that the that the Suntaran was in there and, and coming out of the rocks to capture these poor people and to torture them and to send them to send them mad you know as a result of what had been done to them I mean that's all really dark stuff but really well handled yeah and the novelization adds a little bit of depth to it when Ian Martyr did that and he gets Harry going inside the spaceship and seeing sort of miniature Sontarans which are still to be cloned and fully developed and it's quite a nice mm -hmm. wee touch just to to flesh it out as it were and give us a little bit more of an insight into how Sontarans come to be but it is quite amusing his death as he deflates quite nicely and he runs out of energy from the doctor knackering him after breaking his collarbone and it's farewell to Confield Major Steyer. Mm -hmm. A good way of doing it. It's something that I suppose we've heard about that he needs to recharge and then to overload everything. It's a nice touch. And then sadly, that's the end of Kevin Lindsay as yeah. Sontarans as he passed away and definitely made his mark in two fantastic mm -hmm. monsters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was the, the daddy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, something that Dan Stark, he's acknowledged quite nicely in the 21st century. And then we move on to my first memory there as the as the baby of this group. <laughs> a baby at 47, <laughs> I love it. And the invasion of time where we see that the Sontarans are not averse to using other races to do their dirty work for them as well. And then step in yeah. 
by using the Vardans, who were a bit rubbish, being after all made out of Bakerfoil. And then we just have them turning up, led by Major... Oh, God, what's his rank? Is he Major Store? Led by Store, played by Derek Deadman, who definitely does look like a baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Poor, poor Store. Um, yeah, I mean, the Invasion of Time gets panned quite a, quite a bit, but I don't think it deserves it. I think it's... OK, it has its weaknesses, but I think it, you know, I think the, the the whole conceit of you watching it, thinking that the the the, the villains, the enemies are, are one thing, and then it turns out to be the Sontarans. I mean, that really, I remember watching that and going, oh, wow, it's the Sontarans. And they've got three fingers again. <laughs> so continuity has been restored, all as well. Uh, I thought that was a really nice catch, you know, in this, and, there, and there is lots of interesting stuff going on about the doctor's motivation and all of that so i thought i thought um that, that that was not as bad as as people have let on and and the fact that you know if we're talking about how the suntarans look we only we only get to see store we only get to see derek whether or not he was he was a handsome man in real life he made a really ugly looking suntaran uh, and we only get to see the one as i said Again, although that might be regarded as um, a less than ideal realization of the of the Sontaran mask, there's still something really horrible and unsettling about it. It's like it's like a Sontaran cross with Nosferatu. So I think you know, as, as long as you see stills of it, rather than perhaps uh, Derek's Cockney um, Cockney Sontaran EastEnders character. There is something really unsettling about that, you know, yep. hairiness, and, and yeah. So, so yeah. one thing I would say about the the design, and we, I think we lost it in the newer ones, but they did have hair sprouting out from places. That's what I recall. I, I don't know if they had to the hideousness of it, but you know, the fact that the makeup wasn't unblemished, it wasn't a polished Dalek or Cyberman, whatever. There was actually flaws within there. And they made use of those flaws, whether it was the mouth shape or, or the ears or whatever, or uh, it not being quite symmetrical. But the hairs really freaked me. Yeah. Like Ice Warriors had it as well, which is unusual for a lizard, but there we go. The, the, thing other... is the older you get, the more you do actually turn into a Sundaran. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's a guy with the slap head and the stubby finger, so lovely. You get places you wanted to. The other thing, of course, about Invasion of Time that I always was quite impressed by was the fact that you think of Doctor Who monsters being quite slow and lumbering, but when they're in those scenes when the Sontarans are going through the TARDIS, particularly in the swimming pool, you've got them jumping around and running, or running as fast as they can with those helmets on, with the poor actors trying to keep them together. And then, of course, mm -hmm. jumping over, I think, a sun lounger and one falls over it and stuff. Falls I don't know if that was intended yeah. or not. But it shows you that these they're slightly more nippy than your bog-standard lumbering monster, which adds a new dimension yeah. to what we probably had before then. And mm -hmm. I thought it was quite a, a nice addition. But they've also got, as you said earlier, John, the cliffhanger to part one of the Time Warrior is one of those great ones. But I think Invasion of Time Episode 4, when you've got that pullback, from behind the Doctor and standing there on the stairs of the Panopticon are this platoon of Sontarans and I think that is another great cliffhanger that's quite often forgotten about when people talk about the good ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I have to admit though, and I'm really sorry, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this fantastic story you're telling me about and I have never seen it. I've read the book, 
but I've never seen it. So there's my homework. Yes. Sorry, sorry, folks. You you can take me out and, and you know. <laughs> and that's been Stephen Day, ladies and gentlemen. Right. <laughs> no, cut him off. And so Ashes cancel culture. Yeah, yeah we'll we'll yeah. let you off on this occasion, but um, Thanks. must try Definitely harder. Must Definitely try. worth watching, if for no other reason than it seems to be the only time that the Sontarans display any interest in invading somewhere other than Earth. <laughs> which is also one of the big <laughs> defining characteristics is it's always there for some reason yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. and of course those beloved Sontarans disappeared for a few years until 1985 when they came back when they're looking a hell of a lot taller in the two doctors when we're getting Stike and Varl and written again by Robert Holmes Stevie, yeah. I'm assuming that you have seen the two doctors somehow. I have seen the two doctors. I loved the two doctors. I absolutely loved it. I was shocked by the height. I'm thinking, yeah, they've grown up a wee bit. But, you know, the same viciousness. I mean, that, it was quite a vicious story, let's face it. I mean, you had someone wanting to chop up Perry for a kickoff, and that wasn't even the Sontarans. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they were major villains in, in there. And again, I like the fact that they're villains. You sometimes do wonder, with a lot of Doctor Who villains, why are they bothering? Because, you know, we're intent on doing this, we're intent on doing that. Sontarans don't seem to need a reason. And then they're just perfectly vile and perfectly violent with it. Yeah. You know, it's a standout episode for me, not just because, unexpectedly, you've got another Doctor in there. But, I mean, the the Sontarans, and am I right, Jacqueline Pierce is in that as well? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and between the three of them, I think they stole the story. Yeah, I think they're. Yeah, I see that it's the fact that they're willing to go to any ends to to win their war with the Rutans and getting mm-hmm. you know, capturing the Doctor and getting this Kurtz Reimer capsule all up and running so they can have a facility and access to time travel as well, which obviously they had in a limited form with the Time Warrior. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, and the fact that we get to see their ships come back and we can see them rolling through space and a bit of design continuity. Mm. And again, they're just nasty, mm. nasty buggers. And of course, Stike has got a wee beard as well. Yep. Making look yeah. particularly naughty. And it just shows you the best Doctor Who villains have beards. <laughs> and, and Doctor John Bolin. <laughs> no, but he's, he actually, he, he had previously opened a, a an artisan coffee shop on Byers Road in Glasgow before being recalled to the, the, the glorious Sontaran battle fleet. Is it the ninth Sontaran battle fleet? I want to say the ninth. I could be was wrong. It? I don't know if it was the ninth or tenth, but but they let him keep the keep the little beard for it. So <laughs> he was quite pleased with that. <laughs> it's funny here, is that the story where there's so much going on where you've got the Doctor and Jamie or the second Doctor and Jamie are back and the Doctor and Perry having their own exploits and then some tyrants thrown in plus the Andragums plus yeah there's an underlocation in Seville so yes it's a hell of a lot going on and I still think for Robert Holmes I think it's probably the last great Robert Holmes story well there's nothing wrong with Mysterious Planet there's some really good stuff in there I think this one's probably the last of the the great Robert Holmeses yeah yeah, I, I would agree I, I mean a cracking story yeah and of course around this time in season 22, this was actually the second choice for a Sontaran story because originally they had been working on another story called The First Sontarans, 
to be written by Andrew Smith, a fellow Scotsman. And I recently spoke with Andy about it, and he was quite pleased to tell us what his favourite Sontaran design was. So let's hear from Andy now. Hello, I'm Andrew Smith. Uh, I've, I've written a few uh, Sontaran stories for Big Finish. Uh, being asked for my favourite Sontaran designs, I've got to say, you've got to go right back to the beginning. You get that quilted look with, uh, from uh, the Time Monster and the Sontaran experiment. I think, yeah, that still has to be my absolute favourite. The, other, the, the others are good. I mean, just slight tweaks on the design, really. And then we get the Sontaran stratagem, the poison sky, where, again, it's kind of that, that blue colour comes into it. And I can see that has an appeal. But I think, yeah, you always go back to your, your first love. And it's the first Sontarans when they turn it. Oh, the name of oh, the Big Finish story that I wrote, by the way. Plug, plug. Get it from bigfinish.com. We love stories. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, those first ones. Yeah, Time Warrior. Rewatched the Time Warrior recently, actually. Huh? Wonderful stuff. It is, isn't it? It's just yeah. so well done. I still, I still think of him as Jingle Links. <laughs> Thanks to the novelisation. I just love his little flag. You know, yeah. Links comes out of his spaceship and uh, puts his little flag and claims Earth for the Centauran Empire. So, which was never rescinded. So we are owned by the Centauran Empire. Yeah. I hate to break it to you folks, but yep. there you go. And you're their favourite human because you keep writing for them. And it's lovely to do it. Because it, mean, it means that Dan Stark is going to speak your lines. So that's excellent. Yeah. And Chris Ryan did of uh, one of them as well. Centauran Project. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, oh, only a matter of time, I suppose. So Jonathan Watson, fellow Scott, yes. is going to be on doing the Centaurans as well, I would hope. Quite amazing. Yeah. What did you think of the newest look? Very good. Very good. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm, I am impressed with the uh, the look in flux. And thanks to Andy for joining us for that. And then, of course, the Sontarans had another wee break, and they were back in an unofficial spin-off video, Shakedown: The Return of the Sontarans. Who has seen Shakedown? Hands up. Yep. No. Uh -huh. Okay. No. I was actually at the launch convention for it, Dreamwatch 95. I'd never attended any of the previous 94, or maybe it was meant to be. It was <laughs> in uh, 1995, might just be a coincidence. Anyway, I was down for the launch of that and got to you know, meet the cast and buy my video and see all that, you know, hear everybody talking about it because when they first screened it, they screened it in three parts. So it was staggered throughout the convention and people would come back and watch it on the big screen. And of course, this was a bit of a novelty at the time because I think they'd already done Wartime, the Sergeant Benton spin-off by this point. But here we had proper Doctor Who monsters back and the cast, we got Carol Ann Ford and Sophie Aldred in it. And we got these wonderful new Sontarans written by Terence Dix with Commander Steg as their leader. And at this convention, I got to, we were very, very drunk because quite a few of us from the Glasgow and Edinburgh Doctor Who groups went down and I had a drink stirrer and several of my friends were smoking in their pre-smoking man days. So I had the drink stirrer and they started, because I was using it as my Sontaran gun to zap everybody, alcohol involved of course, and they started to bend my steg stick and melt it. And I still have the steg stick in the loft, but it's all wonky and at an angle. So if I tried to shoot anybody with it, I'd end up shooting myself in the foot probably. So, yeah, but I really like the design. Stevie, have you seen what these Sontarans look like? I th are these the slightly yellow ones? That's the ones they've got jaundice, yeah. That's yeah. The ones. yeah, no, I've, I've seen those. I wasn't really sure what they were from. And 
good designs again. I don't were they that flexible? Again, they they do the pertwee thing, the mouth and mouth and eyes moving freely or Yeah. 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 Still had those. Um, Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great design. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I thought I thought they were, they were well realised. There was a bit of me saying, um, "Are they, are they Santarans though?" I think it was probably because of rights issues that they couldn't kind of duplicate the look of the Santarans outright. And if you're going to have to do a, a bootleg rip off Santaran, then 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 that's a pretty good go at it. I think uh, again with their um, back to their three three-fingered hands uh, with their big nails and so on. The reason why that the nails are st- stick so much in my mind is because they've taken on a bit of a life of their own uh, as the face-palming Sontaran meme that you get in Doctor Who circles from time to time. <laughs> so <laughs> that's given us a, a, a whole new take on Sontaran frustration or embarrassment or whatever. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was really... Um, I, I, I enjoyed that. It, it, it's really the only the only part of that Doctor Who uh, real time ephemera that I've that I've that I've watched. I haven't watched any of the other ones, but I enjoyed it and I thought it was it was well well done. Obviously written by as you say by by Terence Sticks. So an interesting an interesting excursion from from the 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 canon of of the Sontarans on on the big screen. Yeah. I like the design. I thought they were quite smart. They always made me think of parrots for some reason. I don't quite know why. Maybe it's because they had that sort of like crested forehead and sort of mm-hmm. slightly more beaky look to the noses. But I love yeah. the I love the costumes being that sort of wonderful coppery sort of bronzy color mm-hmm. and yeah. gave them quite a distinct look and slightly uncomfortable for the I imagine for the actors because I remember they were quite quite wee and um, lean and obviously they're playing slightly more bulky. Sontarans, but I enjoyed them. I thought it was it was good fun, and I remember that convention with a lot of fondness because in the bus on the way back home, I was sat beside Darren, who's the editor of SFX uh, these days, and the bus was leaking, and it was leaking on top of his head on the way back to Glasgow. So poor Darren <laughs> got a got a moist head. Anyway, we shall we shall move on. Let's talk about some proper twenty first yeah. century Doctor Who Sontarans and that design. Of course, the first time we knew that they were back was when there was that publicity picture released with David Tennant, Catherine Tate and Freema Adjaman with Dan Starkey in the new bluish costume. What did we think of that, John, with the first time you saw it? Uh, I was delighted that the Suntarans were returning. And yeah, that that was my overwhelming response. Great, the Suntarans are back. And I always try and attend to my first reaction rather than my subsequent, oh, well, I'm not sure about the the blue armor. Oh, this and that, and you kind of you, you you sort of pick faults in it. I was just delighted to have them to have them back. As I said, the only fly in the ointment was I wasn't entirely sold on on the new look. Um, I, I I like I like the continuity of the of that dull grey sort of is it armor sort of armored suits. Um, but I thought the story was was good and um, I really enjoyed that and, and again it sort of brought back the sense of the the vague ridiculousness of the of the Suntarans as well as their their threat and the fact that it was done with a, a, a much more expanded budget and much better special effects meant that you were able to sort of get an insight into what a 
a, a real platoon of Sontarans would be like, rather than simply a lone Sontaran or two or three guys with only one guy and a, and a proper mask that changes his face, you can see. So yeah, I thought that was, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Stevie, what did you think about General Stahl and Lieutenant Score and the rest of the gang? I was delighted Sontarans were back. Again, I'm often confused. I was confused about the height. I was thinking, well, what's happened here? But you've got to accept, you know, different times, a different different design. I thought the design was brilliant. And it was great to see more than one or two or three or four of them, you know, masked. Having said that, I'm not a great fan of digital doubling for the sake of it. And I, I like scenes where, you know, it's really a whole load of them wandering around and, and doing. And again, I suppose it's because of my hobbies and stuff. It really irritates me to know that, oh, well, there's only two of them taking their helmets off <laughs> and we're not going to see the rest. I, I, I would long for someone to have the budget to have a whole load of Suntarans kicking back, having a few probic lemonades and, you know, with their with their lids off, just chewing the fat. That would be that would be a nice scene. But I realise that's probably a very expensive scene to do. How many Dan Starkeys can you possibly get on screen at once? But I mean, the the story, the story was great and it was nice to see them back and it was nice to see Unit back. It was nice to see a threat. My only kind of wee bit about it is they they lost a wee bit of their their horror and their brutality. Now, I realise this is a kid's show, guys. We all know that, don't we? Yes, yes. nodding sagely. But there was something missing. You know, the, the threat was there and the threat was there for the kids. But there was just something missing. It became a bit buffoonery. And that doesn't make it bad. It just made it a wee bit. Oh, look, we can hit them in the probate vent now. Yeah, we've got a mallet. Look at us. I, I just didn't quite see. Yeah, I didn't quite see the mess um, returning there. But it doesn't make it a bad thing. I enjoyed. I enjoyed it for what it was. I think a lot of the success in that story is down to the performances from Dan Starkey and, of course, Christopher Ryan. And I think they've, I think they're, they've a great double act, and it's been really nice to hear that in the Big Finish spin-off stuff that they've done. But it's been. I did. I think a lot of it is down to the performances and bringing the the characters alive. And I think Stahl was quite a a nasty piece of work as Sontarans go. And for me, it was a it was a good fun story. It's one that I can put on quite happily, and I've got no problems with it. Of course, the, I suppose the thing that really came out of this was Dan Starkey sort of becoming a bit yeah. of a Doctor Who star. And yeah. let's talk about Strax for a wee minute. How can anybody not like Strax? Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, I love the character. I mean, just the situations they put him in and, you know, owing the Doctor a debt and paying off his debt by being a nurse and the Patternster gang and, you know, the inevitable, yes, Mr. Holmes lines. How can you fail not to like him? It's, I suppose a lot of that's down to the writing, but a lot of that's down to Dan Stark. Never met the guy. He seems like a, a good egg whenever I've seen him interviewed. Mm -hmm. And uh, nah, that, that's, a, that's a reason on its very own to watch Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. exactly. Can you imagine, can you imagine if we'd had maybe three episodes with Strax as an actual companion in the TARDIS with the Doctor? <laughs> I mean, forget Nerdall. Just put Strax in for that whole last Peter Capaldi season. Maybe we could get someone to, you know, put, uh, deep fake that 
just for fun. That would have been that would have been cracking. Yeah. That is a brilliant yeah. idea. John, are you uh, a fan uh, of Commander yeah, Strax? Very very much so. Um uh the the downside maybe of that is that I, that I've stopped thinking of him as a Sontaran for some reason. I think because he's been so long out of out of armor and he's such a such a funny character and that you know he's he's at his best when he, he is in, in those ridiculous scenarios. Like, you know, when he is the nurse or when he is heading off to Glasgow for a punch-up of a weekend. Oh, you got to um, love that, haven't you? That, 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 that painted Glasgow in a Scots is such a good light. Oh, the ones we, can hand, we can handle some darrens. Yeah. Handle some darrens, handle drink and handle spades. Yeah, yeah. And even the, you know, the, the kind of the, the memory arrays worm at the start of the of the, of the the snowman, that whole... Yeah. That whole shtick between them is just so funny, you know, and the newspaper, you know, chucking up at, at uh, Clara, you know, all those things are, are just comedy gold. Um, but as I said, for that that reason, because I like my Suntarans to be um, to be nasty and scary, I think maybe I've I've kind of um, put him in a, in a separate category. Uh, category. Uh, so he's he's Suntaran light. Yeah. Have you heard? Jago and Lightfoot and Strax, the Big Finish audio. No, I haven't. Put my hand up to say no, I haven't. Can I just recommend it? It is just fantastic. It's just such a bizarre mix of classic Doctor Who with 21st Century and Dan Starkey and Trevor Baxter and Christopher Benjamin are just having a ball. And Strax gets confused and he mixes them up with Jenny and Madame Vastra and it's, it's typical strikes. It's just such a, a good laugh. Um, and Dan is just superb throughout and he's, uh, he's such a nice man as well. I've um, spoken with him uh, quite a lot for big finishy stuff and he's a good he's a good pal. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Very talented actor and also a very skilled voice actor because he's uh, very good in linguistics. He knows you know, where to you know, pull your vowel sounds from so he can differentiate a Glaswegian accent from an Edinburgh, that sort of thing. Things that we would know, but to other people, it probably just sound like a distinct, you know, sort of generic Scots accent. So Dan absolutely mm. knows what he's doing and long may he continue. And of course, Dan Starkey has been back in Sontaran guise on our screens in the past year when he appeared in Flux alongside the actress Jodie Whittaker. My thoughts on seeing the costume, it looks a really nice design, really nice mask. However, when you look at the fact that you look at the neck with the with the, the neck sort of armour thing, and then you look at the head on top of that, they must have like longer necks than giraffes. It's a very weird design that way once you've taken off the, the collar part. But it's, um, yeah, very strange to me. But John, what did you think of them in flux? Were they back to menacing? Were they back to the way that you like? Yes, they were with that same side helping of comedy and ridiculousness uh, they're right back at the original um, sense of, of just delighting in war and, and mayhem and it's given a sense of scale uh, with the with the battle in, in, in Sebastopol in the Crimean War this idea of a slaughter just really delighting in that in that destruction but again, as I said, you've got the the, the humour of it and the fact that is it Skak who's the who's the, the 
the commander, the high, the high hegen, you know, he just really wants to ride a horse. <laughs> and that, that kind of flags up just how ridiculous they are, that that's one of the reasons that, 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 that motivated their desire to, to fight in this way in this particular time. And I think that, you know, you mentioned, you know, chew, chewing the fat earlier on, not as a deliberate reference, Stevie, to a, to a Scottish TV programme, but, uh, but Jonathan Watson, one of, the, one, one of the other stars of Scottish television, we've only got about three, haven't we? Who kind of all do, they're, they're all in a rota. First off, um, known to some people from, from uh, Two Doors Down or from uh, Only an Excuse, uh, I didn't realise that he was actually the, the head Sontaran, the chief Sontaran, until after it broadcast. And I thought, now it makes sense. Uh, hearing hearing his 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 voice, you know, there's definitely there's definitely a strong hint of the Caledonian uh, in the in the Sontarans this time, with the exception of Dan Starkey. Um, but I thought they were um, really well really well realised, and there is a kind of a, an evocation of the original costume, the original armour. I think, as far as I can see, and the fact that they're all so small and so compact once again. So yeah, it was a big thumbs up for, for, for me as far as the, the, the realisation of this in Tarns was concerned. Stevie, what was your take on them? I think, again, just what you were saying there, John, I, they've gone back to the kind of the original costumes a wee bit, you know, taking their, their design from there and even the head a bit more. And of course, slightly taller for some of them. Um, I mean, Kenny, you've conjured up a horrible image for me. You're, you're saying, you know, I wonder what they're like underneath that. You know, what do we have next? The, the anatomy of a Sontaran, you know, what kind of shape they are when they haven't got their armour on. I just don't want to think about it. Again, I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Flux for, for what it was. It was it was quite a romp. And, you know, back to the nastiness of the Sontarans. I, I don't know. They, they, again, the digital doubling kind of bugs me a little because if you... It's not quite as if you can't do it, don't bother, but there was just something not, not quite not quite right for me. It was kind of special effects for special effects sake, where we probably could have done with a bit more close-up of, of what was going on sometimes. Now, am I right in thinking that I could be wrong? Was he the first Centauran to have a horse? Did the Time, the time Warrior, did he appear on a horse or is that just in the book? No, I'm, I'm sure I I had read about some tarn and a horse before, so that image didn't come as a surprise right. to me. I'm going to have to go off and investigate that. You're now you're now planting a, a, a thought in in my head when they go to raid the castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't think he was on a horse. I think he's standing beside one, but I don't think yes, you actually yeah. see him on it. Oh, so the implication yeah. was he maybe was on the horse and they thought he was maybe a knight. He, was on one thought he hadn't got his lid off. Maybe he might. He might have put that in his battle report and then that ended up on their bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get, get I, I liked seeing um, Dan Starkey back. That was good. Obviously, he's playing a different character. Um, we had the. I mean, who would have thought? You know, you could defeat them by or capture one just by going to a little shop, uh-huh. a little, <laughs> little corner shop where they've Giving got lots chocolate. of chocolate. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they're gathering the chocolate, and it makes you wonder what the point of the probe event was, but obviously humour. So he was a different kind of character. It was great to see him back, but it certainly wasn't Strax. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's only one Mr. Strax. I could turn it into a football song, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's if I would do uh, such I, a thing. I, I think... 
I think for, for me too that that one of the the interesting things about uh, the Sontarans influx is that in a sense they are they are the main antagonists in the whole thing. They are the main baddies apart from um, what do you call them? the gruesome twosome. I can never remember what it's supposed to be called. You know, so 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 they are they're shown to be quite devious the way that they bring the Daleks and the and the Cybermen together and engineer again spoiler free engineer that particular outcome which actually leaves them on top as as the big bad in the Doctor Who universe you know that's that's quite quite unusual and um, we often kind of think of the of the Sontarans as being kind of locked into their their um, battle with the with the Rutans, their, their, their unending war with them, but to actually have them somehow take on the Daleks and the Cybermen was quite a quite a reach. And um, yeah. it, it was one that, that that I would say, yeah, pretty well comes off. But yeah, they're much more of a substantial threat in this. And um, I think for for all Lupine kind, they were very much a threat. And, oh yes, uh, for the look, that, for the look, Barry. Yes, uh, yeah, Barry. Um, I, I actually, you know, that the fact that we had a death in a series that uh -huh. in recent series we haven't just kind of wound back time and rescued them yeah. from one individual was quite amazing at the hands of the Santarans. Yeah. You know, he gave his life, but also the fact that an entire race was wiped out, save one furry yeah. hand, and that was quite. That was quite horrible, and that was a wee bit of a step for actually Sontarans actually did something that caused a great amount of harm. Yeah. And I know it's only a story and everything else, but it actually quite hits you. That was yeah. that was um that was quite a quite a leap they took in the writing there to actually let that happen and not have a happy ending. Mm -hmm. Because Doctor Who shouldn't always have a happy ending. Yeah. I think some of the, the best stories are the ones that things could not be averted. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Absolutely, that's that's a good that's a good point, Stevie. That especially if you're a dog lover, um, you would want to go and smash up all your potatoes yep. in an of, <laughs> as an act of mute, pointless revenge. Yes, yes, mashed potatoes ahoy. Yes, yes, I like give him a give him a roasting. But also notice something well, you I would said. like to point out, though, that that you know, just on on this nonsense thread that is running through my head at the moment talking about potato heads I, I think that actually if we're being honest they're sweet potato heads because i have carried out quite extensive comparisons and i think in fact i even took a photograph of one uh, a couple of months ago uh, where i was eating a sweet potato and i thought no this is a Suntaran head <laughs> i need to get this out into the world of doctor who studies uh, at tertiary education level and uh, get this thesis published because I think we've been we've been we've been sniffing the wrong potato as far as the Suntarans are concerned. Of course, the, also Suntarans have appeared in countless big Finnish stories, um, some of which I recommend: The King of Sontar, which is a fourth Doctor and Leela one, and as the aforementioned, the first Suntarans, where the sixth Doctor and Perry discovered the origins of the Suntarans, and it still fits in quite nicely with everything that we've learned since. So I would hugely recommend mm -hmm. picking that up. If it's not in a big finish sale at the moment, then have a look around and next time it is up, get it then because it is a really, really good listen. And 
yeah, I would hugely recommend it. Gentlemen, thank you for your thoughts on the sweet potato heads. It's been fascinating. Why was it when they did the Doctor Who potato head, Mr. Potato Head characters, they never actually did this on Taran? Because that would have been perfect opportunity or sweet potato as we have learned tonight. And yeah. Yeah. Always, the, always the way to do it. Stevie, where can people find you on the Twitter sphere? They can find me at Stargate42Films. And Dr. Bowling? They can find me at Dr. J. McGB on Twitter. Uh, hashtag uh, sweet potato doctor <laughs> and as always you can find me at finished zine f-i-n-i-s-h-e-d-z-i-n-e or you can find the podcast on itself at power of three number three pod that's power of three pod with the number three gentlemen i've enjoyed this chat about the sontarans it's been sweet potato i think we shall say farewell for this week and we'll be back very soon. I've been Kenny Smith. I've been John Boland. And I've been Stephen Day. But of course, John, before we go, I believe you have something to ask me. Well, having read the latest uh, dispatch from the 11 and a half uh, Sontaran battle fleet, I understand that you have been uh, entrusted with the new uh, Sontaran battle theme. Uh, and I wonder if you're going to play it for us uh, at the end of today's episode, Kenny. As always, John, I am indeed, because as we know, Sontarans are clones, and if you put them all together, you would have an army, and if you were the leader of that one, you could technically say was an army of me. So we're going to play out with Bjork, and surprise, surprise, army of me. Wow, nice link. <laughs>